Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am the father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the Lush But Not Lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude. This is Real Spoilers, episode 578, Scooby-Doo, the live-action adventure. Just a different... There's so many things you could be talking about when there's you say so many when you say scooby-doo so i'm just trying to clarify so i guess uh let's go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves this is joe this is kevin and this is tom quick shameless plugs don't forget we're available on uh apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode and of course uh, check out our facebook page facebook.com slash real spoilers while you're there like the page and join the group and of course patreon patreon.com slash real spoilers where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content and the joy of helping us out so anyway there's all that uh scooby-doo so kevin had never seen this no. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about that, Kevin. How did that happen? Well, I think I was in high school, and I just think, it, like, during high school, I just wasn't going to watch a live-action Scooby-Doo kids movie that was clearly aimed at children, you know? Like, I just, I was doing other things, activities, going to parties, and, I mean, it just, it completely missed my radar. So what's it mean that I saw it and I was 32? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, to me, this is, this movie is a pure kids movie. Like, I don't eh. think that this... You I know, don't there's, think this is. You know that there's an R-rated cut of this film. Yep. I mean, I could see that. I just like to me. I just I don't know. To me, this doesn't seem like if I were to see an ad for this, like 
I think again, like when I was in high school, I had no interest in it. Like, I feel like this is a kid's movie and I don't feel like it appeals to adults. Like I, but may, I mean, I guess it did. I just, I don't know. To me, it didn't make much sense. Yeah. It had a strong appeal to like the Gen X crowd. Like we grew up with it and it yeah. was in to see a live action version of it and, and a, and a, and a very well done live action version of it. I mean, honestly, like looking at it, you know, now almost 50, it uh my only complaint is just you know the technological limitations of the day is that Scooby looks a little wonky you know for two thousand two though I think he looks really good totally I just I I think I really it's less about the the CGI and more about I don't I didn't like the the design of him oh, like okay. I, he he's ve- it's he is the that is the only problem with this movie. Like it's it's the it's the cartoon come to life. Like it's just a live action version of what we've always seen. But man, he is all of the CG in this movie is real bad. It's just, but I mean, it's I don't know. I think it's and it's it's two thousand two. Like I get in twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, it's eighteen years ago. I don't think at the time people were saying it's horrible CG. I'm not saying people were like, oh my god, it's the best CG ever. But like again, kids movie. I think it's pretty detailed for a 2002 kids movie. I mean, this movie, yeah, this movie had a budget of $84 million. So that's an $84 a, million dollars in, two, in 2002 is a, a lot of money. But yeah, um, a lot of money. But yeah, like I know you can, you can see if you, if you know, like you could see, you can see that this movie was originally intended to be edgier than it was without um, question. There are lots of, of, like little moments or jokes that were maybe intended to be one thing that they kind of had to re-edit. To I make. mean, they say bitch in this movie. Yeah. Yep. It's a Scooby-Doo movie. Like I, I was. They say was scrote. Scrolling. They say scrote. <laughs> I they didn't do say scrote. Yeah, I just to, to say that, a curse yeah. word Shaggy like that it, in right? a Scooby-Doo movie blew my mind. And that flashback with Scrappy-Doo in the van, he says, you guys <laughs> yeah. don't have the scrote. To handle it. But yeah, I could definitely like, okay, so as a fan of James Gunn, and I've seen a lot of his early work, you can tell this movie is a James Gunn movie. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, you absolutely can. Is... Like now, having seen lots of other, J- at the time, he was not a known quantity, but now that I've, I have I am familiar with his work, you can totally see it. But it's also like, what it, he's what makes this movie work. I, fi- I firmly believe that. Uh, not that mm-hmm. it wasn't well casted and performed, but like, it's... It, it its foundation is built on a love of Scooby Doo. Sure, and and I think the fact that this was an R rated movie that they paired back into a kids movie actually ended up being inadvertently very beneficial to the film. Like I think that um, it it has those little moments. Like there's a scene where they cut to Scooby and Shaggy in the mystery machine and you see all the smoke and then it pans down and they're grilling in the van, right? Right, right. But, like, your first thought is like, oh, the Shaggy's getting high, you know? That was my first thought where right. I was just like, what are we doing here? And, and, and I, my <laughs> guess is that there's a version of this movie where that's exactly what was taking place, you know? And wow. And I know that they had to use CGI to cover up cleavage, Um uh, oh, did they? They yeah. actually covered it up? Because, yeah, wow. believe it or not, there was some that got, yeah, because th- there's a lot of cleavage in this movie. I mean, that's another thing where I was just like, whoa, the two of them, like, I, I was not expecting that at all from a, a Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and Isla's, is, uh, Isla Fisher, is that how you say Isla? 
yeah, Isla. No. I it's so weird to see her. First of all, she's not a redhead, and her yeah. character name is Mary Jane, right? Which like, clearly what? was yeah, like was. I'm sure there were lots of jokes about sh- about Shaggy loving Mary Jane or something, you know. Yeah. And so, like, why did but, they make her blonde though to be a character named Mary Jane, and like she's a redhead? That's so weird. Well, because Daphne's a redhead. They just did. I think they just didn't want. Oh, they didn't want to compete. Okay, is my okay. guess is that you know in that way there's You're right. Yeah, clear yeah. delineation. You're right. That that makes total sense i just thought what a strange thing i mean obviously people didn't know isla fisher back then but now it's like she's known to be one of those famous redheads yeah totally but um but but i also think that like it's kind of this perfect james gunn marriage in that like he certainly is no is no prude and 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 can enjoy a dirty joke or a drug joke or whatnot certainly But but he also he does have a I think a real and legitimate love for Scooby Doo. Like he's roughly my age, so I'm sure he grew up watching all this as a kid, just like me. He grew up a couple blocks from me, right? Yeah. And uh and so you know, like the, he there's no way he didn't grow up watching and loving Scooby Doo because our media well, choices were so limited. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, he definitely, you can tell, he, he clearly has a love for Scooby-Doo and an equal hatred for Scrappy-Doo. Yeah, and a lot of people have a hatred for Scrappy-Doo, even though when he came on the show, it kind of did boost the ratings. A lot of people cannot stand Scrappy-Doo to the point that uh, um, Rowan Atkinson's role yeah. was originally offered to Tim Curry, and he turned it down when he found out scrappy do was going to be in the picture was in the, but i guess did they not reveal the plot point to him like... i don't know because like yeah because like the usage of scrappy do i don't like scrappy do either but the usage of scrappy do in this movie is beyond brilliant like i don't i don't know that i've ever seen a kid's movie with a better twist oh i've never seen a kid's movie that based on a property where they will demolish a character like so yeah. okay let's just get out i mean this is real spoilers and if you haven't seen 2002 scooby-doo i mean i hadn't so i get right. it if you haven't but, but we're you've had plenty it. of time yeah <laughs> yeah so the villain of the movie you know the the pull off the mask and who's the villain is scrappy do like yes that scrappy do yeah. scooby's nephew i was i was blown away by this because first of all i'm like okay why what what is happening here and second of all they treat him like garbage like his character is the most despicable unlikable yeah. little piece of garbage ever and so i'm like the for my first reaction after watching this movie was like james gunn who is the writer you know guardians of the galaxy one and two director writer james gunn that one yeah he wrote this movie and I'm like, he hates Scrappy-Doo. So I Googled it. I just Googled James Gunn Scrappy-Doo because I'm like, I need an explanation for this. And so I found an article on the Huffington Post. I know that sounds random, but that's who wrote this <laughs> article. I'm sure there's other ones. But they they showed a few of his tweets. And so one of his tweets, um, someone tweeted at him, I only recently learned you write this. I'm curious uh, why Scrappy was the villain. And he said, quote, because Scrappy is just a completely effing awful person without being censored. And then I found two of his quotes from interviews. And one of them says, the interviewer says, please tell me there will not be a scrappy do in this movie. This is before it came out, I guess before he had seen it. And James Gunn said, quote, I can tell you, I hate that little mother effer with all my heart and soul. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if you watch the original Scooby and scrappy shows, like scrappy was just a and he was always messing things up. 
but not but I, in, as a kid but, i liked him i, but I not thought it was as funny he didn't he, mess things up in a lovable way the way shaggy and, Sco- and scooby-doo or the but, way but it made scooby and shaggy into the competent heroes which i thought was funny because scooby and scrappy are the the i'm sorry scooby and shaggy are the ones that really don't ever get anything right and luck into it and now you've got this little dog like let me at him puppy power and they have to save save him i thought it was funny i think because they had to amp it up so much for him to for for shaggy and scooby to be able to be the voice of reason right that it was just it was over the top and a lot of people just couldn't stand it and i mean i remember as a kid watching it and just being like oh my god and and then the voice work is is bad like it's just it's just a bad choice for voicing, and like it's yeah. it's irritating and grates on your nerves for me anyway. I haven't watched a uh, Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo episode since I was a kid, so maybe as an adult, or you know, and maybe being a little bit older, even and like if you were a little bit older than me watching it, um, you know, I discovered the show in reruns pretty young, so you know, it may have worked differently for me. I just remember all those episodes and it being. F- <laughs> 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 yeah, there's, there's Gwen. <laughs> Gwen has decided to join the... Can you say hi? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, hey, do you like Scooby-Doo? Yeah! Yeah? Did you watch the movie? Um, I just watched Aurora. <laughs> oh, you watched Aurora? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Did we watch Scooby-Doo yesterday? Yeah. Who's your favorite character on Scooby-Doo? Um... Nemo! Nemo! <laughs> <laughs> Ask her if she likes Frozen or Scooby-Doo better. Do you like Frozen or Scooby Doo better? Um, Frozen. Yeah. What's, what's your favorite? Did, yeah. What's your favorite song in Frozen? Um, I don't know. What's your favorite? <laughs> you sing it all the time. What? What's the one we listen to in the car the most? Um, Into the Unknown. Into the Unknown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you like the one by Elsa? The one by the boy? Um, boy and Elsa. Boy and Elsa. All right, you gotta head upstairs because I gotta finish this podcast. No, I'm gonna do it. It's no, you can't sit down here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that was easy. She's adorable. <laughs> hey, bah. Mwah. How did you make such a cute kid, Joe? I'm not responsible. Well, I'm only half responsible. <laughs> do you, do you oh, not know I... how that happens, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> you not know? <laughs> yeah, you've got two of them, just like I do. Uh, no, her face. She her face looks just like you, though. That oh, I don't think that one looks like me at all. I, when she's like when me. she, but when she was smiling and looking at the camera, I you can tell for sure. I oh, want to okay. drill down on the fact that Kevin thinks it looks just like you, and he thought she was adorable. <laughs> well, the what, voice, you know, you know, gonna, you know, the, you know? <laughs> no, I just he's not wrong. I just want to point that out. <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, all right, where are we? We were Scrappy talking Doo. about James Gunn and Scrappy Doo, and and the okay. the hatred of Scrappy Doo, and why people hate him, and he, why they're right to because he sucks. Yeah, he's the worst because he sucks. He's the cousin Oliver. Of he Scooby really Doo. is like you know what and i i get i get trying to like give give another character you want you know scooby-doo i think it's scooby-doo at that point had kind of run its course at that point so they were trying to like do something different and man that character sucked because yeah they the, got rid of everybody else yeah the ratings had slipped in uh, uh on scooby-doo cartoons and so they you know they wanted to bring in something i guess new and cute and and to try and juice the ratings and so scrappy doo was the answer and it and it did work i mean ratings went up that's why you saw scrappy doo stick around for as long as he did um but uh but yeah the, and this is the period where you start to see uh less less of fred and daphne and velma yeah and it focuses more on shaggy and scooby and and then scrappy and then 
I believe you get, I think Daphne shows back up for a while and different. There's a whole. Oh, does she? There's a whole bunch of series of Scooby-Doo. Like Scooby-Doo gets pretty convoluted because it's not just one show that ran like it would be, you know, it's like the original one was Scooby-Doo Where Are You, which had like, you know, I think like 23 episodes over two seasons. And then and then it became. I don't know. I think it just became Scooby Doo, yeah, for a little while, and then and so that you it, so you have all these different Scooby Doo and the, the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo and a pup named Scooby Doo. I and love Scooby the and Thirteen Ghosts with Vincent Price. Yeah, that's a good one. There are you know so there's so many different kind of incarnations with little to any concern for continuity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I guess you didn't need you know like no, that, that's you to me Nobody, Sco- you didn't need it. Yeah. You know, you could just do Scooby Doo no, shows, yeah. absolutely. But but I think I think Sc- Scrappy is is in this movie is interesting because um, you know as we've said, there's an R-rated version of this movie, and, and and then Warner Brothers got cold feet in terms of like they didn't want to just completely kind of destroy the property for kids, right? And and I think they knew that they were going to have a difficult time differentiating that like. This isn't a kid's movie because it looked very much like a kid's movie. Right. And this is coming on the heels of the Brady Bunch movie, which was not. That's our... right. There is that there is that whole nostalgia period right now happening. In, yeah. Like, but live action stuff, isn't there? But it was like this nostalgia period where you would take these properties, but like kind of put this modern spin on them. And right. And like the that first Brady Bunch movie. I think is a blast, and not just I because enjoy that one. Has a cameo. No, it's very good, and not just because there's a cameo from the monkeys, but um, <laughs> oh, now uh, it's Gary. Out. It's it's Gary Cole. Yeah, That's I mean, it is. It yeah. just the the conceit of that film of they're in the present day, but but physically, but not mentally, was <laughs> right, brilliant. Right. And I and I think they were probably going to attempt to do something like that with this movie, and then. And then they got cold feet because they realized that, like, what does that mean for the 30 years of of property that we already have in the can? Does it just completely decimate it? But that being said, the fact that they still let Scrappy live as the villain. And I think <laughs> I think that, like, Scrappy was, um, from what I understand, not the original villain of the movie. I don't know if it was filmed this way or if it was a, if it was a version. Oh, of I the didn't screenplay. know that. But originally... They were going to unmask him, and it wasn't going to be Scrappy. It was going to be um, the uh, the guy from the opening film out to, from the opening scene in the film oh. coming back to get vengeance, and that was going to be the reveal. Wait a minute, the guy, the guy, the, 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 so the guy that's in the ghost in the ghost costume, yeah. In the oh, very beginning, that's too obvious. I think, I, I think Scrappy would... Scrappy Doo was the way to go. Yeah, oh, Scrappy Doo. That's yeah. what makes this movie go from being like moderately entertaining to really good yeah like, and sure and uh and especially when the way they handle the flashback of scrappy like you just assume i mean i remember as i saw when i saw it the first time it was just a, a one-off joke about oh yeah and we did this thing for a little bit and it was bad and they make fun of it and then that like i just thought it was just a throwaway gag you know so like right when right. it come when it circles back around and lands on him being the villain for the whole movie i just thought it i mean on it was it was genius. It, it it's crazy to to look at James Gunn and like look at his writing credits previous you know prior to uh, becoming a superstar. Like the dude had his had his finger in a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, uh, no pun intended. Well, well, I should probably rephrase that uh, <laughs> given his tweets. But uh, 
he was he was a, he was a working guy, you know, and yeah. he had he always kind of had that love for properties like this. You can and you could see it, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, he was he he wrote Romeo and Juliet for trauma, right? Like, right. I mean, you can tell, and and I was saying to Tom earlier when you were gone, like when you look at the monsters and how weird and creepy and all the like horror elements of it, this movie is so James Gunn knowing his filmography and now having seen his older work and slither and all, and knowing his love of those kind of features, Mm -hmm. it's, it's all over it. And, um, I, I think he was a really interesting choice to write this movie, not only because of the love, like that we talked about for the property growing up, but I mean, for someone to make a movie this creepy and weird, and have it be a kids movie like to find that balance i mean we obviously know he's got the writing chops so i i just i think it was a really interesting choice that paid off for them i would argue that if james gunn didn't write this movie it might have gone unreleased because oh maybe because if they had hired somebody else to write an r-rated version of this like they were able to pare this back down to a kids movie because of his love for the property like that sure. love for the property is there and and that respect for the character is our characters are there even mm-hmm. if he did you know raunch it up or whatever he had to do to get to get the R even if he did have some jokes at their expense or he made shaggy smoke pot or whatnot I think if if he hadn't written this movie and still had a core love and respect for what makes Scooby-Doo work like they wouldn't have been able to flip this from an R movie to a PG movie. Yeah. And when they got cold feet, they would have either had to just plow ahead and hope for the best, or they would have just had to can the whole thing and start over. Yeah. yeah you've got yeah, to have the I, substance you know. there. You have to yeah. have to be able to pair it back. You've got to have the stuff that makes a Scooby-Doo movie, a Scooby-Doo movie and not just raunchy jokes. Yeah. It, I wonder like, does that, was it filmed as rated? Like, is there a rated R cut that exists? According to James Gunn, there is a rated R cut of this movie that exists. Coming to coming to HBO Max. Yeah, I know, right? That'd be great. Yeah, but they, you know, I, I, why not? Right? Yeah, and but yeah, so I mean, the, you know, and clearly with some of the costume design, oh, buddy, they they were going for more. <laughs> and there's supposedly there's a there was a scene where Daphne and Velma were supposed to kiss. Um, <laughs> That like with the scene cruel intention style the no like so the scene later where they they the spirit their personalities oh are, sure sure that sure. and then the way to get them to swap back they had <laughs> oh to kiss God, that's sure that makes sense but uh but and I I don't remember if it didn't get filmed or if it got filmed in in can I just picture Sarah Michelle Gellar saying I'm not doing this again yeah <laughs> like I already did this, I did this in cruel intentions I'm not doing it again totally. But, uh, uh, but yeah. I will say Linda Cardellini, uh, I've had a crush on her since Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> and like, I forgot it had been, you know, this was so I was working at Blockbuster. I started there in 2000. So this was like at the very beginning of my Blockbuster career. And at that point, you know, you're just I was just renting stuff to rent stuff like you get like you, we got like six free rentals a week. Sure. And you're just like, I guess I'm doing this. And I remember picking this up and. You know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I think, was still going on. Maybe. Or maybe it had just ended. Yeah, I don't Either know. Either way, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar was still very front and center in pop culture. Freddie Prince Jr. I think this is where they met. Yeah, I, I believe think. so. Uh, and then, of course, Linda Carter. And then you see her in the sexy Velma, 
uh, <laughs> outfit. <laughs> it's a fine. How do you do? She's a really like good Velma. Like I, she's I, a great Velma. That's she's great, a very good. Yeah, great casting. Um, I didn't really like Freddie Prince Jr. as Fred. I I think that his characterization was a little off, and I just I don't know. I didn't really like him in the role that much. But I thought all he the others all right. were good. He's, he's a big dope, right? Like he's just kind of like Fred's, Fred's always. Not, I guess he's Fred's not usually not a dope, that. Though. Yeah, he's not usually that stupid. So I don't like his characterization in this that much. But wrestling corner. Did you know Freddie Prince Jr. was a writer for the WWE at one point? What? No. Yes. Yes. True story. <laughs> uh, he tells a he was on a pod. I think he was on Jericho's podcast or he's on one, like a wrestling related podcast. And he said uh, he was Vince McMahon was looking for like people outside of wrestling to mm-hmm. write wrestling. Yeah. Freddie Prince Tom Freddie Prince Jr. was a writer for the WWE at one point. Oh, so was Bob Mould from Husker yeah. Husker Do. Yeah, and sugar. It's very, it's yeah. very weird. Uh, so Vince McMahon was looking for people to like have an outside view of wrestling and storytelling and things like that. So Freddie Prince Jr. was a huge wrestling fan, so they brought him in. He was on a plane with Vince, and he was like watching, uh, I don't know, like Eddie Murphy's Delirious or something. And Vince McMahon walked up and said, "What are you watching?" And he's like, "Oh, it's this Eddie Murphy stand-up. He's like, "Why aren't you watching WrestleMania?" And Freddie Prince Jr. is like, "What?" He's like, why aren't you watching WrestleMania? You have the network or whatever. And he was like, I I don't know. Like, I just wanted to watch something different. He was like, why? And Freddie Prince Jr. was, at, he's like, at that moment, I realized he's insane. <laughs> and he doesn't, and he doesn't have any idea of what's happening outside of the WWE bubble. Like 24 like seven, complete, he lives 24 in, seven. Yeah. He lives in that world. And he's so like, when you say, I'd like to watch Spider-Man or I'd like to watch something. He's like, well, why wouldn't you watch raw from 1996? Well, if you think about how many, how many stories and characters and that they have to put on several shows every week and a pay-per-view every month, like yeah. there's just so much to concern yourself with. Cause that really is its own universe. Like I could get how you would live in that world. If you had to constantly, like you don't have time to worry about other stuff. No, but I always find it funny that Freddie Prince Jr. was a writer at WWE. Yeah, but you also you hired him um, because he does have that outside experience. You know what I mean? Correct. So, so let him have it. What was it? What did his dad? His was it? Was it his dad was an actor, right? His dad was a stand-up comedian. Uh, okay, and uh, and uh, had a a huge sitcom, huge hit sitcom called Chico and the Man. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and then committed suicide uh, oh, at, okay. at the at the well, peak of that downer. show's popularity. Um and well, I mean, yeah. If Seinfeld has taught us anything, you you go out on top. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So yeah. No, it was it was very sad. And he um. But yeah, he was um. Uh. And then they tried to continue that show for a season or two without him because it was such oh. a hit. And, and and so Chico and the man and the the man was played by the actor who played the grandfather in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, oh, the worst character in that whole movie. Yeah. And uh, so but but Freddie Freddie Prinze was, I mean, just a huge stand up. He's, you know, kind of uh, one of those uh, Cinderella stories of he was on Carson and he killed on Carson and basically had a development deal at NBC the next day. Like, ah, it was one of those times when Carson kind of anointed somebody like if if you were stand up on Carson, if uh if if he came over and talked to you, you did really well. But if he called you over to the couch, it was called going to panel. If you went to panel, it was basically like 
You're you, a made man. You're a made man. You're going to have a sitcom. You're going to have a movie deal. <laughs> like you're, you know, wow. and so. Um, Isn't that crazy how much power like yeah. that that talk show had? Like and, that's that's crazy. But you know pants. what? That's like it's so weird now that you think of the uh the day of pop culture and and viral videos that we live in where John Krasinski can make a YouTube video <laughs> and they're basically like, "Oh Just yeah, for fun. let's have a bidding war on the idea of like there's been 50 other shows that show clips from things like just the fact that this one became popular and yeah. you know definitely well, owes its success to I, John Krasinski <laughs> well I posted when when you posted that story on on the real spoilers page that like WTBS had a show for almost a decade called Good News and it aired I think on Sunday mornings and and it was basically just here are good stories from around the world so not everything's so negative and it and it ran from like 83 to 91 something like that so, so how I mean, does he just make like I mean it's not an I mean even if that I mean that's a really close title and concept but like I mean the the soup and uh Tosh.0 I mean showing clips all he's doing is showing good clips so it's so, so I think I think that goes to the power of Krasinski at this yeah. point for real like I'm I, I I don't say that in jest like it, that dude did that just as for fun maybe right like he's stuck in his house with his wife I, you th- I don't think he planned on it being a multi-million dollar deal. I mean, I think he did a really, I think people really enjoyed it and it was really fun for people. But part of me has to think that, I mean, they're not stupid. I mean, these are both actors and they've got pull in Hollywood. Part of me sure. thinks that when, you know, they yeah. kind of know what it means when a movie star is going to make a YouTube series. And especially when those millions of hits roll in. Maybe it was that first one. Maybe maybe he sees the results of that first one. He's like, oh, I got something I, here. We've got, we've got something. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, good you for know. him. I just the, the thing is that I truly believe that the power of that show lied with Krasinski, and to have someone else host it. I'm not saying it will, it can't be good, but it's his charisma and charm that I mean, people like Krasinski. He's Jim from the Office. Mm-hmm. Like he's a good dude. You he's take gonna him, be too busy being Reed Richards. But take him out of that equation. I just don't think that you can just put anyone in there so we'll see what happens yeah you can't really that show dwight yeah <laughs> you know, <that'd> be funny. <laughs> uh yeah so this one like i said it's basically it's weird it's eerie how similar this is to scoob like it's the exact same plot as Sco- as the, the one we just talked about and like kevin said it's funny how people pooped all over scoob but love this one when it's the exact same thing it's very similar as far as the gang like you know when i watch scooby-doo i'm watching for the mystery gang and i think it it kind of surprised me when they had their little kerfluffle in scoob and then i watched this movie and i'm like oh my god they did the same thing in this one (laughs) so i i really was surprised that they did that in this one and then also there were complaints because i'm like they did the same thing why are you but right you see this a lot in in movies where they you know they need some sort of conflict and so they break up the team and i like i i don't like it i i think it works here um moderately well because they get them back together pretty quick and but um but you know like i've I've never been a fan of that that but even here though they're not really together they they get them in the same area but like i mean they're at odds until the very end right no that's true and and i will say for some reason it, it works better here than in most movies that attempt that but uh i think i think it's because shaggy and scooby never like they have like a tiff right but as soon as like as soon as Scooby's in trouble, Shaggy takes off. Yeah. After after Scooby, like there's there's never a moment where Shaggy is kind of crapping on Scooby. Like those two characters 
together are all, you know, no matter what, they're together. Right. Where I feel like in Scoob, that was not the case. Like, they did go their separate ways, and Shaggy was kind of a, a douche to Scoob. Um, but this one does not have that. You know, like, they have the fight with Isla Fisher, uh, not Amy Adams. Um, and then as soon as Scooby falls down a well, Shaggy goes after him. Right. You know? Yeah, that, uh, that falling out does not last at all. Not at all. Not And even the, even the fight itself is very funny. Like, they don't actually hit each other. They're just kind of slinging, like, third, you know, playground insults at each other. Yeah. And then he falls and he goes after his buddy. So set up the plot of this thing. What is this movie about? So the beginning, you get the beginning of this movie is just like classic Scooby-Doo classic, right? They Velma figures out the plot. Fred kind of like falls his way into the facto leader and kind of gets it done. Uh, And Shaggy and Scoob to they beat the bad guy in spite of themselves or despite of themselves. Like they, they're just kind of, you know, uh, goofing or not goofing around, but they're goofing the entire plan up and they just happen to knock over the ghost. But that's, I mean, again, true to their characters and James. Very Gunn's true to their love. I mean, that's, that's what uh, Shaggy and Scoob do. They're very incompetent and they always luck into the positive things that happen. Right. Or are they? <laughs> they're <laughs> like playing dumb because playing dumb. That would, um, <laughs> Yeah, so the the fans show up and the press shows up and Fred kind of takes uh credit for everything and ve- pisses off Velma and Daphne is always kind of the the girl that gets caught and they all kind of you know Shaggy tries to step up and say, "Look, we're all part of the, you know, like we're hot fudge Sunday or, you know, pastrami or what, you know, cuz Shaggy eats weird stuff cuz he's high <laughs> Cause he's all high. the time." <laughs> um and just that like that uh comparison to the to the hot fudge sunday makes velma say that's it i'm done and they all kind of quit and they all walk away See, everybody I, walks away I like except this. for shaggy and scoob i like this concept because he's deconstructing these characters that have been around for 40 years or whatever at the time and it's it's so true right like fred is the the handsome voice of the team and he always you know is the one that they that you feel is like the leader and takes the credit and then it's like daphne it seems like all she has to offer is to be the damsel in distress and velma's the smart one but doesn't get the credit and scoob and shaggy as goofy as they are they do a lot to capture people but they don't really get credit and so i like that james gunn took this series and instead of just making a silly kids movie that's just like slapstick and not there aren't those elements but instead of just like translating the cartoon to live action he deconstructs the characters and then he also separates them so that they can grow and find their strengths and when they come back together you can realize what makes the team work correct correct so uh then we flash forward two years um, we get a very not subtle weed joke to uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Shaggy and Scooby sitting in the mystery machine with smoke coming out the top. And of course, the uh, they go into the van and they're like, you know, barbecuing inside. The That's van. a good adult joke. Like a, parent, a very good yeah. parent joke because parents get yes. it. But kids are not going to be like, what are they doing in there? They're going to see them cooking and they're going to go, oh, they were cooking. Right. Like, yeah, that's they're a, cooking. Exactly. That's a smart. I, would you call that a double entendre? Uh, double yeah. entendres are normally dirty, but, I, it's, yeah. but it's a joke that works on two levels. Yeah, and it's so the the Casey Kasem issue. What's that? Was that he was he wanted a bunch of different stuff for Shaggy, right? So Casey Kasem became a vegetarian. So Shaggy was supposed to eat. So, so Casey stopped voicing Shaggy in 1995, right? Um, uh, because they basically 
forced him to record a Burger King commercial, and he's a vegan. And so he returned to the role in 2002, but part of the the contract negotiation was that Shaggy had to become a vegan. So during this time, all the sandwiches that you see Shaggy eating are not meat-based sandwiches. Um, even in this one. Even in this one. So even though he's... So at this point, Matthew Lillard is playing him on the big screen, but Casey Kasem is still the voice of Shaggy in in the cartoons and will remain the voice of Shaggy until 2009. And so and they're just like, wait, we got another guy that's not as demanding that sounds just like him. Yeah. Oh, OK. Right. So so they um, uh, so they had to make sure Shaggy was still a vegetarian in this or it, or Casey Kasem's contract would be null and void. And so um, that's why you see two references to his vegetarianism, uh-huh. uh, which is when they're grilling, he's going on and on about how good this vegetarian burger or whatever it is he's making. It was, it was eggplant. It was grilled eggplant. Eggplant, that's what it was. Yeah. And uh, and then later we learn that the Scooby snacks that they're eating are vegetarian uh-huh. because oh, Mary, right. Mary Jane on the plane makes a point of saying they're so good and they're vegetarian. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So two references to it. Yeah. Interesting. Right. I, yeah, I, I didn't, I remember you talking about that at some point and I'd never, you know, followed that in real time or, but man, that is just so weird. Like I, I get it, dude. Like if you want to be a vegan or vegetarian, I mean, more power to you, but this is a cartoon character. Like I just, right. I don't think that you can apply. That would be like, you know, an actor playing a hitman and being like, well, he can't kill people because I'm against murder. So, yeah, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I just you're playing a character, you know, I, there's a million examples like you just I don't know that that necessarily is a sound thing. But, you know, well, don't worry, because they got Matthew Lord to be the voice from for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then they're, you know, they're uh, approached by a guy who wants them to come to like Mystery Island and solve the mystery on this island. And of course, Shaggy and Scooby are like, absolutely not. We're not doing it. I do like that he's like, we'll, we'll pay you. He's like, not really a big thing on like material items. He's like, all that you can eat. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. That's a funny joke too with the, you know, oh, here's all this money. Dude, that's not really our thing. <laughs> and food gets him. I mean, again, true to the he's character. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's ridiculous and it's silly, but this is a, a living cartoon. So it really right. plays well right. with the characterization. Uh, so we get to the airport and of course we see Velma and Fred who haven't seen each other in two years. And it becomes very apparent that and we see Daphne arguing about um, how many carry ons she can take with her onto the plane. Just a note to the listeners here. We found out that uh, the recording computer on Tom's end shut down. So he is rebooting. (laughs) Uh, Joe and I will carry on with this uh, very scholarly, in-depth conversation about (laughs) Scooby-Doo and uh, wait to be rejoined. That's right. So, yeah. So all of our the mystery team is back together sort of they don't want to be around each other and they all kind of decide velma decide velma fred and daphne all decide we're going to solve this mystery by ourselves and of course shaggy is trying as he might to uh get the the band back together they, yeah they all i thought it was really i mean just funny at the airport they haven't seen each other in two years and they all start showing up and then shaggy's right. like oh hey you got the invite to the island too and he's all happy and they're all just like what are you guys doing here gross um, <laughs> you know i i'm torn on it because like i don't as a fan of the original series again i want to see them doing their thing but i do have to give them credit for 
James Gunn for allowing them to split apart and grow and come back together. And I guess at the time it would have seemed like a really innovative idea. And of course he was first. It's just weird having watched Scoob first and never seeing this. I'm like, I just saw them getting like a little tiff and have to get back (laughs) together. But um, for this one, I guess at the time and everything, I think it is an interesting concept that wouldn't have been played out. So, I mean, it it works and you get to focus on each character. And again, I do like that they focus on each of their strengths because that is one of the big things in the cartoon that, you know, they always work as a unit, but they they all have the it's the same thing over and over again right like scoop and shag being goofy and and uh daphne's always getting captured and velma comes up with a great plan and then fred is like we got him and let me unmask him and talk to the adults and everything so right yeah uh yeah so they're on the plane and of course this is where we're introduced to mary jane uh, played by Isla which fisher is such a, <laughs> which is just such a weird like mary jane played by a natural redhead blonde in the movie. as a blonde <laughs> <laughs> but i get it that while you were gone tom was like well they don't want her to conflict with daphne who's the main that makes head. sense so yeah. i get that change but right. logically you're just like wait but uh, what and i'm guessing yeah that tom, uh because james gunn's a huge comic book person he had to have that has to be a spider-man reference what yeah, it's a Spider-Man reference and not a weed reference. Well, no, I mean, definitely with the shaggy stuff, I totally get it. But you know, James Gunn obviously is a huge comic book guy. Uh, that is absolutely. So I feel to like weed. he's that like nothing that has that has nothing to do with Spider-Man. That is absolutely. Oh, really? The yeah, because Shaggy and Mary a, Jane. Okay, Shaggy and Mary Jane. I just yeah, figured that's that, why he's like, I love that name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, <laughs> I I do get it. I just to me, I feel like he's like Mary Jane and cast a redhead, and they did, and then they were like, oh, but wait, Daphne's redhead, so dye your hair well, blonde. Oh, see, I think I mean Isla Fisher wasn't a name then. No, she wasn't a name. This is this is, yeah, this is like her first yeah. name, right? But I'm saying okay. I think she, I think that she auditioned oh, and she was I a see, redhead and that's what Mary Jane called for because that's what Mary Jane's a redhead in Spider Man and then right. I think that's that right. I think they hired her and then they're like but wait like two redheads you know for kids and if you don't know the actors like that could get confusing I can see why they made the decision but you're right I do understand the writing which is another fun joke for adults yes very much so so they get to the island and everybody getting off the plane this this is the most. Uh... 2000s movie i've seen okay in a long time i have a question about that i yes. have a question about the script and as much as i love i don't James even mean the Gunn script writer, I, mean, I mean i mean like the look of people <clears throat> and the and the and the song the the choice of songs and- okay okay that's fine but the way they talk the way that james gunn writes teens talking yeah with all the 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 what would you i don't know about slang or you know the whole like you know dog the you know what i'm saying like the way they talked so i feel, i don't remember people in but do you think it's because was he in la at this time and that's how 2000s la people talked maybe i definitely remember so you got to think though that the like the term dog became like in the vernacular because of randy jackson Sure. Like that. And, and that was Randy like Jackson. Idol was like 99, 99 right? 2000, yeah. 2000. Like that's, this is at the height, I think. But it's not just dog. I definitely think this has a California vibe to it. And I really wonder if yeah, maybe. James Gunn yeah, was that's probably already true. in the LA scene because the way that these teens talked and like their cool hip lingo to me, to me, at least looking back on it felt like an old person writing the way <laughs> teens talk. That's I, how it feels. Yeah. That's but fair. if they did talk that way in LA in the two thousands, I could see why he would write it as people talking the way that they talked. But you know, being in the Midwest, I didn't 
get exposure as much to that. So that's why I was just a little confused by, I'm like, is this the joke or is this how people talked? And I kind of felt like it was the joke because like even the, when they're brainwashed, like they, when they're brainwashed, they talk like that. Sure. You know? So I feel like that was kind of a, a, a dig at, the how people were talking back then yeah maybe i I don't know it wasn't clear to me and so that's i you know and and again it could just be a product of the time but i was a little taken aback sure you know because i'm like oh he's making fun of them but then i'm like but wait a minute they all keep talking like this so (laughs) i don't think it's a joke huh okay but yeah so the the people that are coming on to the island are completely normal and you know insane but the people (laughs) leaving are like single file not very crazy not crazy at all but like zombies basically when they're getting onto the boat that is a that is another really funny premise that you think that when someone comes into some evil voodoo magic situation that they're gonna go crazy and here it's a bunch of like free-spirited energetic crazy teens and he turns them into like preps right exactly (laughs) exactly Which is uh, funny. I, it is they're very They're all funny. like wearing like polos and whatever. Well dressed. Very proper. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, automatically are the mystery machine, the mystery uh, ink are a little uh, leery of what's going on. We're introduced to Rowan Atkinson, who's like this eccentric billionaire who runs the island. And he kind of tells them what the deal is. And they uh, all, again, go their separate ways. Um the rest of this, like it again, much like Scoob, it's it's a pretty easy. Like the plot is pretty easy. Like it's not uh, like two thousand one where you can kind of do a deep dive on what things mean. Oh um, yeah, let's. This movie is very much like Stanley Kubrick's two thousand yeah, Space right. Odyssey. Let's compare yeah. the artistic <laughs> merits between these two films. <laughs> uh, and it, you know, you get some not very good CG monsters, and I get it. Two thousand two, maybe they were. Um, I don't remember, but I'm sure they were probably pretty good for the time. Well, let's do this since since we're waiting on Tom, and I think he'll be back soon to analyze the film. But let's look at the critical response to this movie. Yeah, yeah. I was very surprised because I had a feeling, having never seen it and then watching the movie, that there was a lot of nostalgia goggles going on here. I'm not saying it's not a fun kids movie, and there are a lot of good Scooby Doo things. I've already gone into that, and you know, it's a solid kids movie. But I mean, it's it's not the best movie from a critical perspective no and i was surprised because i hear everyone talk so lovingly about it 30 percent critics out of 145 reviews so that's a lot of reviews that's a lot of reviews 30 percent rotten tomatoes 38 percent audience score that's less than really 50 low. i mean usually it doesn't matter what the critics think especially with beloved properties you know a movie could have a 30 percent critic and a 90 percent audience 38 percent and do you want to guess how many user ratings that's out of uh, Take a stab. Five hundred, four hundred and eight thousand six hundred. Oh, all right. So thirty-eight percent audience score out of almost half a million. Not quite four hundred thousand ratings. I mean, I don't think this movie is as good or beloved as the small segment of people remember it. Again, like if you grew up with it, or you know, if you were Tom's age and you loved the property and you thought it was cool to see a live action or whatever. Like, I get it, but I think outside of that you know, the more youth, young adult crowd that grew up with it. And it just didn't seem like that well of a received movie. It's not a, it's not a good movie. That's what I'm saying. Right. Like, like I, it's, it's, not... a, it's a fun movie. Yes. It's a fun movie. Exactly. I had a good time. I, I enjoy this movie, but it, it it's not a good 
quote unquote good movie. It it ticks all those boxes that you want a Scooby Doo uh, movie to tick. It throws enough like uh, not so subversive adult humor at you to keep the adults entertained. Right. It's just I I don't know what people expect from a Scooby Doo movie at this point. You know, like right. even, yeah, obviously even back in two thousand two, like what do you want? What do you want from this? I think that's where you have to draw the line. And uh, again, we've seen a lot of amazing kids movie. Of course, Disney for decades now has been pushing the medium. Uh, Pixar, especially with the the themes and how many great movies they make for kids and adults. So we're not saying it's impossible, but you're also talking about a very silly slapstick cartoon. And right. Scooby-Doo at, at its heart is about a group of teens and their talking dog that solve ghost mysteries. So if you're going to try to tell me that you're going to get, are you going to try to get Stanley Kubrick to direct Scooby-Doo <laughs> and make it this amazing, give me a David Fincher Scooby-Doo movie. Right. So yeah. again, I'm not trying to downplay this. I'm not trying to downplay the movie. And if you love it, that's great. And we obviously have a lot of positives to say about it, but at the end of the day, to your point, Joe, what are you as an audience or as a critic expecting? You have to realize this is a, kids movie about a talking dog and exactly. are there fun jokes and entertaining stuff stuff to laugh at stuff to thrill you good special effects and like the creature stuff i thought was really good so that's why i was so taken aback because people talk about this so lovingly but it looks like at the time people really really dismissed this movie and were pretty harsh on it so yeah I, I I think it's just interesting to show that they're doing the same thing with Scoob now, and that's a really good-looking CG and really fun movie. It just goes to show you how harsh people are on kids' movies, right? Right, and it's just like you know, <laughs> kind of like I feel like superhero movies are kind of in the same boat at this point, where if something isn't exactly what you want, within yeah. reason, right? Like we we kind of we bag on the DC stuff because it's not very good. But it's not because it's not what I want. It's because it's not very good. Yeah. Um, everybody raises hell. And it's like, you have to be able to go into a movie objectively and look at it for what it is, right? Like, if, if I'm going to an Ice Age movie, my expectations are really low. Just because it's an... Uh, I get it. So, mm. when you're coming in... But into I sp- even think those movies are fun. Like no, they are. Like, but right? my point is like you're not getting a Pixar movie. That that's a good point exactly. When you, you go know? to Ice Age or yeah, when you go to one of those movies, you're not expecting to get that. And so I'm a big proponent of judging a movie and critiquing it based on what it sets out to do. And I think a lot of people like to judge film on the same level, the same playing field. But you know, it's just like when you say like that's a it's a different ball game, it's a different sport. Like there's different leagues in sports, you know, well, there's yeah, different... it, you, you can't, it's when you, let's say, I don't know, uh, you can't compare the Godfather to Taken. Right. Why would you, why, why would you what, ever put those two in the same category? <laughs> right. That's not even, you can't do that. Right. But can you enjoy both? Of course. Can they of both course. have good, like, but they're different types of movies. Right. You have to kind of sub compartmentalize them. And this movie is another one of those where it's like, is this a fun kids movie? Yes. Does it pay homage and tribute? Yes. Um, I don't know what these like here real quick. Uh, I'll let me read a couple of these from the okay. top critics. Okay. So 31 top critics reviewed and then the others critics are out there and uh, Richard Roper. So this is his excerpt. The acting is stiff. The story lacks all trace of wit. The sets look like they were borrowed from Gilligan's Island and the CGI Scooby might as well be the worst special effects creation of the year. I mean, okay. You know what? (laughs) He's not wrong. Like his, his assessment is correct, but at the same time, like 
it's Scooby Doo. <laughs> you know, Scooby Doo is like the Gilligan's Island of cartoons. Kinda, you yeah, know, like kinda, it's silly sure. and zany, and I mean, it came up in the same type of like time period and comedy. So yeah, I I just so I guess to there to that point, then if we're gonna drill down on it, it's like, are you gonna try to make Scooby Doo into this huge serious like, you know, per like see um oscar winning sets and designs or are you gonna just like make a silly movie with bright colors and creatures and a talking dog (laughs) yeah It's it's an interesting argument i i don't know it's but but yeah i i think we'll just say history always seems to repeat itself with kids movies and it's a little mind-boggling to me at times when people are so harsh on on kids movies uh where i can i can admit there are really good kids movies and there are kids movies that transcend but there are also very serviceable ones and i will tell you if you scroll through some of these streaming platforms like netflix amazon there are some whack kids movies that you're just like what is this and so then they come out with something like this which i think is like in the middle it's not pixar but it's not this other garbage they churn out and I, I think you have to recognize it for for what it is for what it is yeah and so, so yeah just to finish this off yeah. uh our team ends up getting back together uh and just as they get back together uh we lose actually our three members we lose velma uh fred and daphne we, they all kind of join in with the this cult and it's up to yeah Shaggy we should and- say we should say what's taking them all like the island has this mystery to it and you're kind of led to believe like is it going to be rowan atkinson is it going to be a person in a mask but they actually go a different route and james gunn wrote it to be a real like spiritual cult demonic type thing that like the powers are possessing these people they're able right. to like take their spirits out and they're replacing them with demons and right. so our main characters actually have all their spirits sucked out and it's just scuba and shag right that yeah that's it that's left. all that's left and there shaggy stumbles upon like the cauldron of souls is basically what this thing is yeah and he like plucks out his friends of course and that was funny back. it's very funny i really uh, liked the idea i mean the cg is a little wonky i will have to admit that but uh when he picks up the heads that joke where he picks up the rando i thought was yeah. great that's a great guy <laughs> i'm looking for he, my friend he grabbed a different one and the guy is like oh thank you so much for saving me and he's like yeah actually i'm looking for my friends and puts, <laughs> them, puts back. them back <laughs> that's a great joke uh yeah so now every they you know shaggy releases the our other three heroes and we all meet back up and i do like that um when they start fighting the this this island mm-hmm. uh shaggy i feel like shaggy smoked so much weed that <laughs> he is immune to like so isla fisher ends up being possessed which is i gotta tell you the scene where she gets hit in the face and her face moves Super creepy, creepy, huh? Right? Super There's, creepy. I, well, that whole, uh, I don't know if it was like a fun house or whatever, whatever they're yeah. in when they're in that demonic, crazy creature area. Um, the practical effects are really good and the imagery is super creepy. Yep. Like yep. now I can see, knowing this now that there was a rated R cut and it was intended to be like that, you can really see it because James Gunn had experience. He grew up loving uh, that type of like horror and rated R type of violent creature stuff and uh this imagery is really really adult like i would not expect to see any of that in a kid's movie no no never and you know, like her face is like off to the side and she pulls the skin and like pops it back. it's all cg but it's not practical yeah but she like it like pops back into place and she smiles yeah uh, so yeah so they end up having to the, the big fight uh in the in the the bowels of this island uh, and Rowan Atkinson ends up getting defeated and you think it's him and they pull the they do the, the Scooby thing right where they go to pull the mask off and it's a robot 
And of course, it the the chest opens up, and there's stupid Scrappy Doo. It's a uh, really good kind of. It's a great reveal out because at first when it's a robot, I'm like, what the hell? Like, what, who is controlling this robot? Like, why did someone make a robot? And then they do that, and I was, I mean, you saw the little flashback to where they did set it up that Scrappy was yeah. a jerk, and then I really never thought about it again. I thought it was a well, weird gag. Did you, did you notice there's a scene where Rowan Atkinson like scratches the back of his ear like a dog? No. Yeah, there's a scene where, like, when you see Rowan Atkinson at one point, and it's just, like, he had just had a conversation with either Fred or Shaggy, and they walk away, and then as they're walking away, like, Rowan Atkinson scratches the back of his ear like a dog, and I was like, that's slick. Like, I I had never noticed it until this recent viewing, and I was like, that's slick. Well done. Gotcha. Uh, That's interesting. What what was the deal with Rowan Atkinson where they went into his office and he had like pictures of Scooby everywhere? What was that? I can't really. Because he's Scrappy. Like Scrappy put those in there. Oh, because he was obsessed with them or whatever. Yes. Okay, because he's the robot. Okay, Rowan Atkinson is a robot. Right. And Scrappy was controlling him. Okay, it, see, I've only seen it this once, and I didn't necessarily connect it all. And I, I was just thinking back to that weird we don't, scene. We with, don't see the real Rowan Atkinson until the very end of the movie. Right, right, right. He's been yeah. he's like a like a guy coming out of a cave like a thousand he, years. He later. looks like uh, Rip Robert Van Williams Winkle or in, something. In Jumanji. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So our heroes end up having you know Scrappy has this like diamond in his chest that has the power of all these souls. So the the heroes end up knocking the diamond out, and he, he loses all of his power. And uh, is he this gets a, is this a cop out to why were they trying to save Scrappy from being completely evil? Are we supposed to think that this thing made him do it? No, okay. I didn't. I'm I didn't just, take that. I took it as like he wanted to get revenge on Scooby and the gang. And I, I was just wondering this. if it was an it was an out. Like they could make it like. Because as much as obviously James Gunn hates Scrappy Doo, but like he is still a somewhat beloved, iconic character from the series. Yeah, and I thought it was really strange to treat him like this, and I was wondering if that was their way to write in and out. But I did not feel that way, but I could okay. see where it would look that way. Yeah, maybe it could have been used either way. Right. Uh, yeah. So our team uh, saves the day. Um, everybody starts making out with people, which I thought was <laughs> like everybody doubles up. Uh, Fred and Daphne, which you know, that's kind of always been the thing. Uh, mm. Velma, but it's and... it's it's Fred and Velma in the newer series, right? Didn't they? Oh, they is it? I don't know. Where, I'm pretty sure in the newer series, or at least one of the cartoons, they go with the because you know you would expect it to be Fred and Daphne, right. and I think he was with Velma at one point, which I thought again was if kind of refreshing. Velma's played by Linda Cardellini. I'm going with Velma. But you know, it is a nice. It's a nice way to break that stereotype. That yeah, for jo- sure. Like he's kind of a jock. Like Fred's the big, tall, muscular, handsome guy, and right. Daphne's obviously the stereotypical attractive woman. And you know, Velma is a very likable character, and she's smart, and she's a huge part of the team. And I think it's kind of sends the wrong message. It's a very antiquated message that Fred and Velma would. I'm sorry that Fred and Daphne would be the only right. two that get together, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, um, right. And so I, I really do, I mean, I, maybe it's a Mandela thing, but I swear there's a newer series where those two are together, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then so they're clearing out, and they save Rowan Atkinson from, like, this weird pit, and he comes out looking like, like I said, Robin Williams from the first Jumanji. Uh, and the news is all there, and they Fred starts to kind of take the credit for it but then at the last second he's like you know what the maybe the velmster uh will tell you what happened and of course that's one of the things that was uh that was the catalyst of them splitting up 
yeah. uh, in the first place. And that's kind of where this one ends. Yeah, it's not it's not a good movie. You know what? I take that back. It is a good movie. Like it is a good movie for exactly what it is. It's a fu- it's a service. It's a uh, not service. It's it's a witty, clever, fun kids movie. And I think you have to judge it thusly. Um, you know, I mean, as an adult, I don't think I enjoyed it as a first viewing as an adult. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I would have if I watched it when you did. If I watched it with a kid, I can. Well, see so I was-, I was 18. I was 18 when I saw it. But I also but like still Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. As I w- as I was watching both of these movies, I realized that Scooby Doo was my entry into horror. Yeah, that's true. You know, like as a kid, like watching ghosts and goblins and vampires and werewolves and, you yeah. know, have them be debunked or whatever. But still, like I was a this was a, a cartoon that I watched as a young, young child. And this this is probably my entry into horror. Yeah. So I do have the love for Scooby. Um, and maybe that probably did not taint, but heighten my funness with this one. Any other final thoughts or things to mention about? I, You know, I think. Um, I think this is worth your time. I think the the animated one. I think uh, this one. I don't remember Scooby Doo two. I think that kind of was not good, if I remember right. Um, Monsters on the Loose or whatever. Are you, but go right, back. Talking about the sequel to this one. Yes. Yeah. I never watched that one, and I know it was also. I think written that. By I James think Gunn. that. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I he or he at least gets a story credit. Either way, either way, I think go back and get, you know, like we talked about Boomerang. If you have kids, go introduce your kids to Scooby-Doo. And I feel like at this point, everybody's kids watch Scooby-Doo. But those old ones are fantastic. Well, there's just so many versions of it. And the original Scooby-Doo. Like we talked about earlier, and I don't know, maybe it was on the last one, but there are so many iterations as as joe mentioned i mean this is the hanna-barbera cash cow they they are milking it for television series movies they do straight to dvd movies comic like books. one or two one or two of them a year comic books i mean it is a beloved property and they're continuing to crank out content some of it's really good some of it's so-so but i mean they've been really smart in the way that they've ingrained it into pop culture where they have scooby-doo i mean from the beginning you know think about scooby-doo meets the harlem globetrotter Scooby-Doo meets Batman and Robin, yeah. which is my oh, yeah. favorite the Scooby-Doo three, of all the time. The Three Stooges. Right. And then now... Not the guess, good ones, but those the Three Stooges. But now, and and they've they've just carried that forward, and Scooby-Doo meets The Undertaker, and Scooby-Doo meets John yeah. Cena. And, you know, they, they, they mix them in with things to stay current, but you also still get that Scooby-Doo formula that you love. So, so many generations are able to enjoy Scooby-Doo in all these formats. And uh, it's, I think, still today, I think Scoob is a testament to it. Um, although there's a lot of people that aren't giving it a shot, you know, go listen to that episode. Oh, wait, I saw the clip out. Oh, hey, you get it? Hey! <laughs> so, what I miss? <laughs> well, Tom just wouldn't let us do an episode without him, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, just in time for you to do the outro. Uh, so, we just wrapped we just wrapped it up and kind of gave our final thoughts. Do you want to give your uh, summary and final thoughts on the Scooby-Doo movie? I think nothing says more about when this movie was made that, than the fact that uh, we see Sugar Ray for like forty five minutes. Uh, that's I. So I did say this is the most two thousand <laughs> movie I've seen in a long time. I think time. even Sugar Ray was done by two thousand two. I think I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> like from, it was like it was Sugar, it was Sugar Ray, Outcast, Simple Plan. Like that's what was on this soundtrack. I was like, oh boy, 
This is very early 2000s. They were like, who who's on who's on Warner Brothers Records that right. needs a boost? <laughs> can we get, can we get Smash Mouth? No, you can get Sugar Ray though. Eh, close enough. Yeah. Let me ask you, Tom, before before we get your final thoughts, which I would like since we didn't get a lot of your stuff on the back half here. The way that they talked in this movie, Joe and I were debating this. So I don't remember people talking this like, like, yo, dog. Like, to me, it felt like an old person writing how cool kids talk. Yes. And we were trying to figure out, is this because James Gunn lived in L.A. at this time and people did talk like this? Or was it a joke? We couldn't figure out the, the dialogue here. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I I vaguely remember at the time, like, kind of cringing at those moments when, yeah, you know, and so, I like... Do you think it's because we were in the Midwest and he was in L.A.? Like, I just can't believe, like, in this movie, like, they do it too much for me to think it was just a simple joke. Like, the cool people talked like, yo, dog. Like, and it was like a very hip, like, trying to be hip type of talk. I don't know. Like, I don't remember seeing a a lot of that going on in pop culture. Like, not, not to that degree and not, yeah, like, it was... Yeah, it was it was kind of cringe inducing. I remember at the time kind of cringing at it, like mm-hmm. like this is what old people think young people sound like, kind of a thing. But like also, Scooby Doo's relationship to current pop culture was always a little dicey, anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like with the oh sure the music choices and like even like when they tried to have a cool guest, like the guests, yeah, it would be like you know it it would. It would be like Davy Jones, who was. Like, it'd be what older people <laughs> thought were cool. Yeah, guests. like I, you know, yeah. and I, you, I mean, I think my love for the monkeys has been well documented on this podcast. But wait like, a minute, who? But who? But Davy Jones, by the time he was on Scooby Doo, was not exactly you know. And also, don't forget other other like celebrities that they had on that show were were like Don Knotts. Laurel, Laurel and Hardy, Hardy. yeah, <laughs> right. Three Stooges. It was very much that type of right. old, yeah, totally. So like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I think that was just a cheap, easy way to kind of say like they're they're acting different. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Okay, interesting. So, so what did you overall like? What were your impressions going back and watching this movie? That you know is. You watched it as you said you were what your early thirties when you watched this movie. Yeah, first? I would have been thirty one when this movie came out. So okay, you enjoyed it back then, and yeah. uh, you were a fan of Scooby Doo. Like, how did it hold up for you? I thought it held up pretty well. Like, I think I and, and honestly, I I think that the two things that really make this movie hold up can can uh, all fall to to very specific these two things, which is the screenplay. By James Gunn, uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. which which works and has a real story and has a real love of the characters, but also knows where the weaknesses are and can kind of poke fun without being mean or undermining the property. And that's a very difficult line to walk. Um, Except Scrappy Doo. Well, no, but but th- <laughs> that's what I mean. And he knows where the weaknesses are and he can make yeah. fun of it without under. Like I don't think making fun of Sco- Scrappy Doo undermine the property in that way. I think it, you know, because I mean we've never seen him since. So at least That's not that true. I'm aware of. Um, and I think the other thing is the performance of Matthew Lillard. I mean, Matthew Lillard yeah. is shaggy incarnate. He is the word oh, made flesh. Yeah. And, and uh, I didn't get to mention this time around. I forgot about it. I was going to last episode. I teased it. But seriously, if you were going to cast anyone as a live action version of shaggy, when you see Matthew Lillard in this movie, 
you're 100% right. I mean, he is a living, breathing Shaggy. Yeah. Yep. It's it's like mind-blowing. Like, I didn't have the love of this movie. I had never seen it when yeah. I saw watched Scoob. And so when I knew the voice didn't sound right, I totally get it. But I didn't understand the love for Matthew Lillard playing this character. Oh, man. But when I see if you grew up with this and you saw this is your Shaggy, it's like, okay, I get it. He's Shaggy. Yeah. Yeah. And there was nobody better. Like, that's the, it's one of those things where... You know, sometimes you could move people in and out of that role, but man, he he had it like as soon as he's on screen, you're like, "Yep, that's that's From what Shaggy the would be." Second you see him, you're like, "That is Shaggy. I am one hundred percent on board." Yes, absolutely. Right. And I'm a I'm a Casey Kasem guy. Like yeah. again, I didn't know this version until just recently. So like, I love the original version, and that's the version I hear in my head, and I know it. But I can easily see it. Like it just it clicks when you see him. You're right. In a way, I feel bad because. Matthew Lillard is so next level as Shaggy that um, I think Linda Cardellini's Velma gets overlooked because she's and she's wonderful. She's wonderful as Velma, but as good as she is, there's just that that X factor that's missing in comparison to what Matthew Lillard is doing as Shaggy. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar are there. Define. I think they're serviceable. Yeah, I don't think in, they're doing anything with the characters that like warrants but, writing home about. But in fairness, those are also the two most bland characters in Scooby Doo, so sure. right. they're pretty difficult to do very much with. Or like, there's nothing iconic about how Fred sounds, or or about how Daphne sounds. Not in the same way that there is for Shaggy, Scooby, and Velma. So. Um, so they're I also, mean, Daphne is hot. They got that right. <laughs> they did get that right. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> and but, I guess if you like Freddie Prince Jr., I guess he is too. Yeah. So. And he, I mean, tw- I mean, 2002, Freddie Prince Jr., is a, I mean, he was a big thing. Because yeah. Fred's supposed to be like a muscular, tall, jock kind of guy. And so I guess, I mean, Freddie Prince is pretty lean, but I mean, I guess he was a heartthrob, though. So yeah, he they had a did moment. Get that casting for the time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so. I just I think, like, the. Matthew Lillard can uh, not enough good things can be said about his performance as Shaggy. <laughs> it's 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 really sad when I mean Matthew Lillard on record. I mean I know we're kind of going back into the other one, but just to keep it connected to this episode, of course this is where he debuted as the character, and he would go on to later on do the voice work for Shaggy and become Shaggy in a lot of different iterations. And then he found out that Will Forte was cast as Shaggy online. They didn't talk to him. They didn't like, like call him in and say, Hey, you know, we're doing it for this reason or the other. He had to find out through the news, just like everybody else, which was heartbreaking. And then he did another tweet where he's just like, I wish I I love this character and I wish everybody the best. Like you can just feel the pain in those words. So bad. And the only thing I can figure is maybe there's just a disconnect between home video and feature animation that they just didn't even think about it. I don't know, but it's it's a shame. I don't know, it's man. a shame. So, but yeah. uh, well, I guess uh, I guess that's it for this one. Let's uh, go around the virtual table, and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts B U T T S twenty one. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. Uh, while you're there. Uh, like the page, join the group, subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts from so you never miss an episode, and uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash realspoilers. So 
I'm not sure. I guess next week maybe a return to misbegotten sequels. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's some streaming stuff, and Kevin and I kind of already landed on something. If you just wanted, I'm I'm good on this. If you want to tease, then let's it. do that next week. Uh, we will return to our series on misbegotten sequels, and we will tackle Gremlins and Gremlins Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's what you have to look forward to to get a little homework so you can get caught up so thanks for tuning in and until next time the real shaggy eats meat <laughs> I like it. what's he gonna do we're coming after you you're gonna solve that mystery i see you scooby-doo the jail leads back to you what's he scooby-doo what's he scooby-doo we're gonna follow you you're gonna Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 